Welcome to Face Your Faith. I hope that this topic study will help you grow deeply in your relationship with God, to be fearless in your faith, and to present others the Word of God in freedom and in peace. In part two of anger, we will be looking into how anger can also be driven by our upbringing and how we are to deal with that. This is certainly a major problem for many on the planet and has been for centuries. We will cover how to deal with past hurts and negative anger that we have chosen to carry along with us into adulthood and the alternative of what positive anger looks like. Just what does God expect us to do with hurts that have developed into anger of parents, siblings, friends, situations, and perhaps even at the world in general? As children, we tend to mimic our leaders, parents, guardians, or whatever the case may be, and most often we carry that anger into adulthood. Things tend to change, however, when we reach adulthood and are expected to exhibit controlled behavior and don't. While we may have been criticized as a kid for actions and attitude and didn't much care or rebelled, as an adult, we are generally going to be held to much stricter standards, which we should be, it is, however, very difficult as an adult to either recognize on our own what we need to change and or are being told by others what is not going right in our lives. This most often leads to anger toward the ones pointing it out and anger within ourselves when we begin to recognize that those pointing out our flaws are indeed correct. In general, as we all know, we do not like to be corrected, especially when it is a criticism that challenges our core makeup. Quite sadly, when we are chastised for our behavior by enough people, and especially those that do not offer their observation of us under ideal circumstances, it tends to invoke considerable anger or depression, causing us to withdraw from society to avoid the confrontation. And we then wallow in misery and self-pity and far too many, in an attempt to get rid of the problem and pain, we turn to some form of drug. Don't forget, drugs are not all related to alcohol and narcotics. They are far-reaching, such as overeating, undereating, gambling, smoking, sex, etc. Tragically, this only magnifies our anger to the extent of being perpetually angry and perpetually abusing substance to maintain something in our own mind that resembles normalcy, desperately hunting for something to bury our pain. So where does all this lead us and just what do we need to do to overcome the spiraling effects of anger? Well, we have no choice but to go back to God's word and examine what he so desires for us even in the midst of our deepest, darkest pain. First, it is very important to note that trying to fix ourselves is 99.9% .9 of the time an absolute disaster, and that goes for every human past, present, and future. For everyone I've counseled over a decade, we as people stink at fixing ourselves, and I have years of personal experience in the area of trying to fix myself, complete with a 99.9% .9 failure rate. We need other people in our lives to help us in the many areas we simply cannot recognize or don't want to recognize. Others who we allow to help are often able to put into perspective the things we agonize over too deeply and will never fully be able to come to terms with on our own. 
We are also quite incapable of digging into our problems on the level they need to be worked through. Does this mean, however, that we just find the first person that walks by and asks for help? Absolutely not. We need to be able to trust someone as close to completely as possible. We need to make sure that the individual or individuals will challenge us in ways that we know will make us very uncomfortable so that we might have to face the issues and work through them. We need to make sure that we do not find anyone who even in the slightest way will enable us. Yes, that's going to be very difficult because no one wants to see someone in pain, but most often pain is very important to the healing process. There are just a few examples of who everyone needs at some point in their lives to work through lifelong issues or recent issues that are consuming us. This may mean that we need to seek the help of a doctor or other medical professional along with another person we can trust to be honest with us. Again, don't look for someone to help you, professional or otherwise, who is not going to respect you or love you enough to challenge you. Be mindful that as you go through this process of recognizing that you need help and are looking for the individual or individuals to help you grow, this alone will likely generate anger and frustration and drive you to wanting to just give up because it's just not worth even more pain. Again, keep this in mind as you venture through this often very difficult time. The next very important topic related to anger is what constitutes righteous anger that is acceptable to God versus unrighteous anger that is not acceptable to God. And again, I think it's very important to mention that through all that we have just covered, God must remain first, the first counselor, the first person we go to in all things. So let's look at anger. The way I see it in terms of defining this is, Anger is a disruptive awakening from our place of contentment due to a circumstance or circumstances that requires our involvement. And again, the requirement is of our own doing. And by involvement, I mean that it did affect us mentally or physically to feel as though we need to react in some way. So what on earth does that look like in daily life and just what is our attitude supposed to be when or if we get involved? And are we always supposed to get involved when we are angered? First, don't react under any circumstance to any situation. That is the best way to cross the line into anger that dishonors God, the sinful anger. Yes, it's easy to get lit up, fly off the handle with rage and deep-seated anger, and attempt to justify our actions because we recognize something that was dishonoring, something that we disagreed with, something that struck a wrong chord in us, or something that dishonored God. We then feel we have the right to react the way we did, or do, or want to, in self-centeredness. After all, we absolutely need to defend God because he is certainly incapable of handling things on his own. Don't forget God is quite capable of defending himself. He's done just fine for himself and long before we ever showed up on the planet. So if you're concerned that someone has said something dishonoring to God, make sure you don't dishonor God in hypocrisy by sharing your opinion. I mention this because this will help us not to cross the line into unrighteous anger, knowing that we simply have one 
job, and that is to lovingly let people know that they may wish to reconsider their opinion. Period. So what is our one and only responsibility to everyone we encounter under any circumstance? We have one responsibility in this life, and that is to always honor God in all things and at all times and in all ways. Our proof, Proverbs 14:29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. But what exactly is folly? Let's look at the dictionary again. Folly is a lack of good sense or normal prudence and foresight. Often criminally or tragically foolish actions or conduct, often evil and wickedness, especially lewd behavior, which is obscene or vulgar. Let's read that again. Proverbs 14:29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts a lack of good sense or moral prudence and foresight. Tragically foolish actions, often evil, with lewd behavior, obscene or vulgar. That's quite the definition for a single word, and how quickly we can turn in hasty temper. What does this tell us? Certainly, never react to situations. Remember, however, it doesn't tell us that we can't respond. So what is the difference between reacting and responding? Let's jump back to the dictionary and we will see once again, reaction is to exert a reciprocal or counteracting force or influence. I think that's pretty clear. We tend to, in our reactions, shove it back in someone's face just as hard as they push it on us, or perhaps even harder. It also is to change in response to a stimulus. And isn't that the case when we get angered. We change in response to a stimulus, and we allow the stimulus to drive us. It is also to act in opposition to a force or influence, usually used with anxiety or insecurity. And this sounds like a response that will get us all in trouble. Now let's look at the dictionary definition of responding. Responding, according to the dictionary, says is to say something in return make an answer, to show a favorable reaction. So here we learn that it is okay to react so long as it is a responding reaction to show favorable response. Doesn't the definition of responding sound far more favorable than reacting? And this is exactly what God expects of us when we are disturbed. No matter how badly we are disrupted, no matter how badly we are disturbed, and this then takes us back to discipline. Under no circumstance is it God-honoring to let loose on someone. Proof, James 1.20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Proverbs 29.11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds back. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. And there are our direct instructions from God on how to be righteously angry and what it looks like to be unrighteously angry. With that, 
are we always supposed to get involved in everything we hear that is not suitable to our ears or what we think is God-honoring? Well, we saw in Proverbs 29, 11, it says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. This, I believe, can certainly have two meanings. Either making sure we respond with God-honoring anger or potentially holding everything back and not getting involved. So when are we supposed to get involved or just be quiet and walk away? Well, according to James 1.19, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In other words, slowness to speaking might be that no response is given for a while. And that while may be days, weeks, months, or years. Because after all, when we speak, we are to speak everything to the honor and glory of God. Proverbs 13.3 makes this even more clear. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And isn't that a great illustration? The sight of a wide open mouth during conversation and a wide open mouth is usually not God honoring and most likely is gushing folly. So according to God, here's how we are to speak to everyone in all circumstances and at all times. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Further still, David has a great way to deal with these disturbing situations that evidently got him in trouble. Psalm 39, 1, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle, so long as the wicked are in my presence. What a great example of David recognizing his weak points and putting discipline into practice. Clearly, David knew that when certain people were around him, he was tempted to engage in unrighteous communication and he needed to zip his lips. That might not be a bad idea for a number of us to do for the rest of today. In our last example, we see again that God expects us to exercise a great deal of thought before opening our mouths. Proverbs 15:28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Because there is more hope for a fool than for a man who is hasty in his words. Proverbs 29, 20. Over and over, we are given strict instructions on how we are expected to communicate with the world when we are angered or disturbed. The moral of the story when you are angry, it is best to first put a muzzle on your mouth and then go to God immediately for wisdom on how to handle the situation. Don't react. Consider this. Perhaps you are not the one to engage at all, no matter how passionately you feel about the situation and how right you may be. And never say something to get back at someone in hopes that you will somehow get them to reconsider what they said or did. Remember, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Romans 12, 19. 
Indeed, we must be very careful with our temper and intentions. At least with me, my reactions are my intentions, not God's intentions that get dumped out of my mouth. Now with all this ground we have covered on anger, and if at this point you recognize that you need to deal with your anger, it is also very likely that you will be challenged with spiritual warfare. Keep in mind that Satan is very hungry to keep you off any good path that might lead to your happiness and growth in this area. Keep in mind also that Satan hates anyone who is attempting to honor God and anyone looking to seek peace and rest and joy so they can live their life out for God. Remember, there is a good possibility that you are going to be thoroughly beaten up and mentally and spiritually tortured by Satan. Be sure to reference Ephesians 6.10 and own it in your struggle. Also remember that you will likely face plenty of opportunities to rebel, again leading to more anger and resentment toward yourself and others. This again is yet another area in which you will need to trust the process of growth and allow it to fully take place and mature in your life. And in all these things, persevere in the name of the Lord. Is this exceptionally hard? Yes. Is it easier said than done to remain calm and respond instead of reacting? Absolutely. Are there times it is going to feel impossible, like a complete waste of time? Yes. Are you going to feel as though there is absolutely no need to pursue any of this insanity because it will probably only lead to the same results and that of failing again? Yes. Is it going to feel at times as though God has forgotten about you in the struggle? Yes. Are you going to feel like blaming God some more? You will. Will you ever get this? Yes, you will. But not overnight. And it will take discipline. So how do we even begin this monumental process? Where can we turn as we prepare to embark on this Mount Everest-sized journey? Well, I sincerely recommend going to God as the very first step. Look to God for the discipline that will be required while walking this road. Go to God and ask for wisdom, guidance, help, peace, understanding, and strength. Ask God to provide you with the person or people who He knows you will need to journey with. And make sure that the first one you fully trust is God and ask God to provide all these things for you. Does God always answer our requests the way we want them? Does God always answer our requests at the time we want them to be dealt with? No. And that is only because He knows the best outcome for us personally. And don't forget, as painful as it is, there are often many good reasons that we need to remain in our struggles so that we learn to fully trust and fully grow so we don't ever want to slip back into our old ways again. While there is so much more to cover on this topic from God's Word, I hope this is encouraging to you and helped you desire a life free from raw, unfiltered anger and a full desire to honor God in all things and in all all ways. Let's close in prayer. Merciful Father, thank you for being slow to anger, abounding in love and full of mercy and grace. 
Forgive us of our intense, unrighteous anger, our love to avenge, and our constant devotion to unrighteous anger. Forgive us for our self-centeredness and arrogance and the life we lead, steeped in hypocrisy that drives others to anger and bitterness over our ungodly attitudes. Help us to bridle our tongues, to put a muzzle over our mouth, and to seek your guidance and wisdom before we utter one word. Help us to respond when appropriate and only respond with grace and humility and in every way that only honors you for the great good of everyone who hears. And we ask this in the great name of our gracious and merciful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are joining us by podcast, please visit our website at www.faceyourfaith.com for more information and resources.